All right, well, thank you, Sandy and Shireen and Taylor. Thank you so much for that uh, wonderful announcement. So just to put everything in perspective, so June 28th, that's two weeks from today, um, and from June 28th all the way to the 1st of August, you're gonna have two opportunities to actually be with us here at Grace. We're gonna continue our Grace Online, Grace at Home at 10 a.m., and then we're gonna offer an on-site, in-person worship service um, with a different message, different music and everything at 6 p.m. here. And we're going to tell you more and more details about that in the uh, incoming weeks, upcoming weeks. But that is a big announcement. June 28th will be uh, our on-site worship. And then the goal is to merge the two beginning the 1st of August so that we will have our live stream going. And also we'll be back at 10 a.m. as well. Also, uh, Danielle mentioned about our Graceosity. Uh, that food ministry, that food partnership that um, we have with a number of churches here in Knoxville is growing. So I just got a text saying, hey, we need more and more folks to sign up to help us deliver food on Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays. So if you're able to do that, uh, they're going to put the link back up in the chat room, the Grace Aussie link, and uh, click on that. And we, we need some help uh, to pack and to deliver food Monday, Wednesday and Friday this week. And so please, please let us know. Um, if you can help with that. We are in a middle of a new sermon series called The Five Simple Habits That Will Surprise the World. That's right, Five Simple Habits That Will Surprise the World. And many things that we have sort of been discovering throughout this entire process is that what is really the church? What's the role of the church? What's the function of the church? And, and, and we talked about this several weeks ago that we have a gathered church and a scattered church. And right now we, we are sort of gathering in our homes individually and we're practicing being a scattered church. But one of the big things that God has been teaching me and been teaching us as leaders is this, that we believe that the primary focus and the primary purpose and the primary mission of the church is to make disciples of Jesus that make disciples. A disciple is someone who, who follows Jesus, who is being changed by Jesus, and on mission with Jesus. Now let me say those three things again. A disciple is someone who follows Jesus, makes a decision to follow Jesus. Secondly, a disciple is someone who is being changed by Jesus, who, who's in a relationship with Jesus. And, and the goal of that relationship is to become more and more like Jesus, to think like Jesus, to, to, uh, um, to have the same heart and to act like Jesus. And the last one is to be on mission with Jesus, to, to participate and to, and to actively engage in this world, to do the things that Jesus would do and to be about his mission. That's what a disciple is. And so in this series of five simple habits that will surprise the world, we're really talking about what does it mean to be on mission with Jesus? What are five simple things that we can do to be on mission with Jesus? Well, we started off a couple weeks ago, we talked about blessing, that um, we have been created to be a blessing and that when if you want to see any follower of Jesus, anyone being changed by Jesus, anyone on mission with Jesus, it means that they are blessing others. And we gave the, the challenge to, to, to bless three people a week. Three people a week, only one person who's part of the grace community. And to do that every week, I, I got to tell you, this past week, I, I didn't do so hot at blessing others. But I'm going to get back at it this week. 
And so every week we want to be blessing three people, blessing three people. And then last week, Danielle did an outstanding job talking about the second simple habit, which is listening. I know that's tough. And boy, do we need to listen even more, even more right now. To listen, to listen. But to listen, not to our politicians sometimes, but not to our TV or media, to listen to the Holy Spirit, to actually craft out time, to, to, to reserve time each day. And if not, then one chunk of our time during our week and say, this is my time where I'm just going to sit. I'm going to listen. I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to tell God what he should be doing or, or what, he, what he could be doing or why he hasn't done it. I'm not going to bring him all my laundry list. I'm just going to listen. Listen. It's part of following, right? We've got to listen. Well, today we're going to talk about eating. I know many, my and yours favorite activity, to eat, right? We have about 21 meals, if we are blessed, 21 meals a week, that's three meals a day. And the challenge this week is to, to have a meal with, with three people or one meal with three people and one, one of those not being a person of grace and trying to make that happen with with, this, with all of our social distancing and COVID, but we want to build this habit of eating, of sharing in fellowship, of, of extending our, our table. And so our passage today comes from the seventh chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, uh, Luke 7, beginning in verse 31 and reading through 35. To set the scene here is Jesus is talking about th- th- this generation. He, he sort of is given his assessment of the generation and uh, sort of what they want and what he is delivering. Two different things. And toward the end of the passage here, and the, really the focus today is verse 34, Jesus gives us an insight about the Son of Man. I'll explain a little bit later what that means. But he references his title, the Son of Man, and then he ties it to eating. Let's, let's hear what Jesus has for you and for me today. Jesus went on to say this. He says, to what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine and you say he has a demon the son of man came eating and drinking and you say he is a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners but wisdom is proved right by all her children my friends this is the word of the lord Thanks be to God. Let's look at verse 34 a little bit here. Jesus says that the son of man came eating and drinking. (laughs) What images come to mind when you think about that? That the son of man came eating and drinking. Jesus uses this title, the son of man. I want to spend a little time here. The son of man. It's, It's a very weighty, It's a very important title that Jesus uses. 
he uses over 80 times throughout the Gospels. 29 times in Matthew's Gospel, 24 times here in Luke's Gospel, 14 times in Mark's Gospel, 13 times in John's Gospel. And usually when we think about this title, Son of Man, we, we contrast that or, or, or we put it aside next to this other title that Jesus uses, Son of God. And, and usually when we, when we have Son of Man title and Son of God title, we think, well, when Jesus is talking about the Son of God, when he references himself as Son of God, that means we're, he's thinking about his divinity, of how, of how he, he is, is fully God who has come here to earth. And that when Jesus uses the Son of Man title, he's not talking about his divinity, he's talking about his, his earthly life, his, his oneness, his, his being uh, um, part of the human body. But I think we've got to be careful. I think we've got to be careful that because when Jesus uses the title of Son of Man, it doesn't mean that he's not being fully human. And when he uses the title of Son of Man, it doesn't mean that he's being fully God. See, Jesus is fully human and he's fully divine. And so when he uses this title, Son of Man, we've got to do a little bit more biblical work. When we first see this title, we see it in Numbers, we see it also uh, referenced in Job, and then we see it in Psalm, in the Psalm, Psalm 80, and especially in Isaiah 51 as well. And when we first see this title, the title means someone of weakness. It's talking about the frailty of the human life. And we see this in, in, the, in the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 51 and verse 12 the Lord speaking, he says, I, I, even I, am he who comforts you. The Lord's talking about, hey, I'm the one who comforts you. Who are you that you fear mortal men, the sons of men who are but grass, that you forget the Lord, your maker? He's talking about the frailty of human life, the, the, the weakness of our human condition. But that's not what Jesus means here. When he uses the term son of man, it appears over 90 times in the prophecy of Ezekiel, the son of man. And it speaks to royalty, speaks to dominion, it speaks to power. And probably the best reference to son of man, the, this messianic prophecy from, from Daniel in the seventh chapter, where Daniel has this vision he has this vision of, of, the, of the kingdom of God and, and, and of heaven. And, and, and he gives this vision of, about, about this one who's the son of man. And let, let me read this for you. And Daniel says in, in chapter 7, he says, There will be one like the son of man coming with the cloud of heaven. And he approached the ancient of days. That, that is the Lord himself. And was led into his presence and was given authority and glory and sovereignty and power. And note this, and all the peoples, all the nations and all the men of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. It's a different picture of the Son of Man. It's a Son of Man of, of royalty, of power, someone that God has come, someone that every 
language, every tribe and every person from every nation will bow down and worship. Sound familiar? Apostle Paul in Philippians 2 says that everyone will come to worship. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus using this term son of man he's saying that I am the one who has been sent by God. I am the one who has come to restore all the brokenness and to heal this world. I am the one who has come to and to break us from away from all bondage to set us free. I am the son of man. I am the fulfillment of the prophecy from Daniel and from Ezekiel. And so we see this throughout scripture when Jesus uses the son of man. He he says in Matthew's gospel, the 20th chapter says, the son of man did not come, right? Did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Yes, what a son of man. He says, I have come not to, not to serve not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. What a son of man. And then in the 19th chapter of Luke's gospel, Jesus says the son of man came to seek, right? To seek and to save the lost. That's his mission, to seek and to save the lost. This is what the son of man is all about. That he has come to, so that everyone will be found and to come after us. And then we have, hmm, it seems like it doesn't really fit. Here, this passage in Luke 7 and verse 34, he says that the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Hmm. The Son of Man, the one sent by God, came eating and drinking. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, Jesus was not an ascetic. What he, what he meant was that Jesus, just, Jesus did not just hide away. He didn't withdraw from culture and, and just sort of there in his room. No, Jesus was engaged with people. Jesus loved people. He said the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And, and, and we could say, oh, this isn't important. Let's just sort of take this verse and sort of Put it aside. But no, I think there's something, I think there is profound truth in this. There's a, a theological truth that, that we need to know. That Jesus is saying that the Son of Man, the same Son of Man that went to the cross, the same Son of Man that died for us, the same Son of Man that, that was raised to life, the same Son of Man that sits now at the right hand of God in all his glory, the same, the same Son of Man that's going to come, the same Son of Man that, that we will bow down and worship came eating and drinking. There's something significant here. But the table, the table was central to Jesus' ministry. That the table is central to, to understanding who Jesus is. That the table, that eating and drinking with others is central to understanding who the Son of Man is, is living this life of Jesus. And let's just take the Gospel of Luke, for instance. 
We first meet Jesus, what? He's at this banquet with all these Pharisees. And he gets criticized for it, that you're eating with all these tax collectors and sinners. We, we, we meet him up again. He's, he's at Simon's house. Simon's a, Simon the Pharisee's house. What's he doing? He's having a meal with them. It seems like that's how Jesus engaged the religious. And that's how he, he sort of shared in theology. That's how he, he sort of shared the, the coming of his kingdom. It was around the meal, which got me thinking, maybe rather than tweeting at each, at each other, maybe we should sit down, have a meal with each other. I know it's a crazy idea, but that's the way of Jesus, isn't it? Sit down with each other. Come over to my house. Let's have a cup of coffee. Let's sit down. This is the way of Jesus. This is his way. And he's at Simon's house and, and he's sitting there and they're, they're getting again into a theological conversation. All of a sudden this woman, this sinful woman comes in and she has this expensive jar of perfume and breaks it over him and weeps at him. He has another meal with some Pharisees. They get into a theological conversation about washing and ritual bathing and Jesus is breaking them from their religious habits. The, set, the setting, the way he did this, eating and drinking. Jesus meets this man, Zacchaeus, another tax collector. He's up in the tree. He asks Zacchaeus to come down. Invites him. I sort of laugh at this. I think Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus has this big party. So salvation's come to this house today through a meal. When Jesus wanted to, wanted to spend his last time with his beloved ones, his disciples, how'd he do it? At table, at a meal, with people. On that Easter night, Easter day, I should say, as Cleopas and his wife were walking back from Jerusalem to Emmaus, really discouraged, wondering, well, we had gone to the city to find hope, and we thought Jesus was a hope, but he just died. And as they're walking back to their home of Emmaus, they, they, this third person comes along as a stranger and teaches them. But they still don't know it's Jesus. We know it's Jesus. They don't know it's Jesus until they invite him into their home. And it's when they're at table and they break the bread, he breaks the bread. What happens? Their eyes are open. They go, oh, it's Jesus. There was something about the table. And some say that, that really for us to convert the world, that the table should be at the center of our life, not the pulpit. It's a very interesting comment that Michael Frost makes. That, that there's this table that Jesus revealed himself at the meal there. There's something about the table fellowship. There's something about the meal where, where, where we become human to each other. Where we sit down and we're able to listen to each other. Where, where we respect each other. Where, where the ministry and the life of Jesus is lived out at the table. 
It almost says that we need to practice communion first and then conversion second. We need to practice extending our tables. Extending our table. It'd be about offering hospitality and fellowship to others before trying to convert everyone to our side. I wonder what would happen if we did that. Maybe we surprised the world. So this week, eat. Invite three people, one who's not connected to grace. Hear their story. Share in fellowship with them. Maybe it's Sit outside with your neighbors. Invite someone to your backyard. But let's begin to live and lean into the Son of Man came eating and drinking. There's something about developing this habit of eating with others. I'll close with this. The 14th chapter of Luke, Luke 14, beginning in verse 12, Jesus is talking about a banquet. In the reference, he's talking about this messianic banquet that he has come, that his, his life, that what it's like when he is the host of the meal. But there's some very powerful words beginning in verse 12 of Luke 12. I'm assuming Luke 14 in verse 12 that I, lo- I love to lead you with. Jesus says, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends Don't invite your friends. That sounds silly. Don't invite your brother or your relatives or your rich neighbors. You're thinking, well, Jesus, then who am I going to invite? Because if you you do so, he says, they may invite you back. And so then you'll be, so, so they'll have to repay you. But he says, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they can't repay you, they can't repay you. You will be blessed. Although they can't repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. See your table as a place of ministry. See your meals, not just something to consume, but a place to have conversation, a place to bless others, a place to extend the ministry of Jesus. So your assignment this week, eat. Find three people that you can share and fellowship with this week. Please join me in prayer. Oh, gracious God, thank you so much for the life that you've given to us. And Lord, we just pray that we will be the people, that we'll be the disciples who are following you, who are becoming like you and on mission with you. That Lord, that we'll, this week, those three people that you need us to bless, Lord, may we do that. And Lord, may we find that time every day or that big chunk during the week to listen to you. And this week, Lord, may we add the third habit of eating and extending our table of fellowship. 
and being with others. Extending and participating in the ministry of Jesus. And so, Lord, we just ask as we go this week that we will be your people on mission with you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.